Welcome back to the Toledo Matters Podcast. This is episode 24. With you, as always, is the usual crew, Bob, Danny, and myself, Nathan. And uh, who do we have today, Bob? Today we have Zach Vassar, the newly installed president and CEO of the Toledo Symphony Orchestra. And uh, also, some might argue more importantly, our quiz master. Our quiz master. (laughs) Thank you, Zach. (laughs) This week, luckily, his wife, Emily, hooked us up with a handful of questions. So you didn't have to look too far for someone to do your part of the show. No, not at all. (laughs) Still, Still delegating well. So, uh, yeah, and, and uh, we're recording in a, a hot room It's right a hot now. day today. <laughs> so it's nice and hot this so we're, time we're of the year. Crank this intro out. Did you guys get into good, anything good over the weekend? I had a, a big weekend. busy couple weeks. Um, two weeks ago, so right after the last show came out, I went to see Paul McCartney in Cincinnati. Hey. Which was very, very cool. Seen a band a, or something? Kind of a bucket list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has like a... Like the best musicians on the planet, kind of band. No, wasn't he like in a famous band? Was it? I think he was in the Beatles, right? <laughs> okay. Or was it? No, it was the Wings band or something, right? right? right. Yeah. But they played like mostly Beatles. It was yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and then uh, this past weekend, uh, I went to the Toledo Air Show, which I think Bob, hey. me and Bob were both there at the same time and for, and didn't, didn't know it was a big we were place. <laughs> it was busy. Yeah, I'm just surprised yeah. we didn't like slack. Yeah, no. about you guys it didn't text like, "Yo, yeah. go to the air show today." I, it, was, yeah. it was weird, but it was a great show especially for such a you know a small airport really they, they put on a really really great show so that yeah. was fun how about you danny um well i went to the lpga marathon classic okay that cool. was amazing it was beautiful out obviously the lady golfers killed it they actually went into overtime on sunday right on. so that was like a two or three hole playoff that was really exciting were you following somebody or were you sitting at one hole no nah, not specifically we were just walking around cool. a couple of friends went nice I've never actually been to a live golf event. Me neither. It's more yeah. fun than it, it's honestly more fun than it sounds. <laughs> more fun than watching it on TV. Absolutely, because you're out. There's, yeah, the there's yeah. giant, right. you know, group crowds of people. everywhere. Yeah, stuff. it's kind of like a festival, but instead of music, there's golf. Yeah. Cool. I was on vacation the week of the fourth out in California, yeah. and uh, it was busy. Lake Tahoe, right? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of family. Um, one of those vacations that you're so active that at the end of it you're more tired than at the beginning. Right, but sick. Everyone comes back. Yeah, sick and... yeah. But it was it was good. <laughs> and then uh, this past weekend, I th- we, me and my brother threw a surprise birthday party for my parents. Hey yo, cool. both of whom turned sixty this month, so that was a big deal. And then uh, we went to their show on Sunday, which was Not a bad. lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And coming up this weekend, actually tonight will be the epic Toledo T Town Dash. It's downtown Toledo's biggest scavenger hunt. Uh, teams will be combining up and running around downtown looking for some clues and some hidden treasures. And then also coming up soon is Bach Around the Clock. Now, the Toledo Symphony Orchestra season doesn't start until September, but Merwin Sue and other TSO musicians are putting on a 24-hour Bach Festival at the Art Museum, August 13th and 14th. Bach Around the Clock. At the museum and on museum grounds, enjoy music by Johann Sebastian Bach in this 24-hour live music marathon. We talk a little bit about it in the interview as well. Yeah, Zach will give you a little more detail. Without further ado, here's our interview with Zach Vassar. With us today, we have our trivia master, and also, I guess he has a pretty cool new job uh, as president and CEO of the Toledo Symphony Orchestra, Zach Vassar. Welcome. Hi, guys. Woo! Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's a little 
it's nice to have somebody that we know listens to the show be mm-hmm. a guest on the show. Yeah, so, which isn't always the case, right? I, so, I have right. I have thought ahead to the the best thing in Toledo, the best kept secret. This is good. Yeah. This is good. See, he's he's got. Oh, I hope you prepared ahead. for some yeah. trivia because <clears> my answer is the Metro Parks. Uh, <laughs> see, he has listened. That's proof right there. Um, and for those who don't know, I think we've said it a few times, but but Zach has been uh, a provider of many of our trivia questions over the past. However many thank episodes. you so much. So, so thank you for that. Your Zach. knowledge of Toledo. You're welcome. Well, I just want to apologize well to everybody who I made look <laughs> foolish because I'm sure that you'll get me back today. <laughs> yep. Well, we're going to do our best, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later in the show. Uh, Zach, Zach, you're from Toledo, right? I am. Yeah. I grew up in Old Orchard and uh, live in Old Orchard now. So just about a block and a half from where I grew up. Is that strange that like you're kind of in the same? A little bit. If I were on the same block. And it would be a house that I knew and rode my bike around the block and saw oh, all the time. Oh, that's Mrs. Jenkins' house. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I knew the people who lived in this house. I just didn't know that this was their house. Yeah. So, oh, perfect. Um, now it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I know the I know the order of the streets. And when Churchill's was still open, I was really interested that the uh, the door would squeak exactly as it did 20 years ago. <laughs> so you're, you're close enough to Churchill's that you would hear that. Well, no, when I would be going oh, in. Yeah, when yeah. going in, yeah. Yeah, I, I live about a block away from what used to be Churchill's. And that remains one of my great sadnesses is that going away. Many of ours. Yeah. Cause it was great to be able to, you know, you forgot a lime, I'll walk down the block and go buy one. And, you know, Does that happen to you a lot? Um, <laughs> limes in particular, not necessarily, but stuff that I forget to get off the list. And he never I'm, forgets the limes. Yeah. <laughs> I forget things off the list that I have to then rectify. Um, so uh, you went to high school here, went to school here. Yep. I'm a Johnny. Time? Yeah. Oh, Apologies to any of your listeners. I'm sorry. I'm you and a, I already talked about it. Yeah. Johnny. Yeah. So, uh, St. John's grad. Got it. Yeah. I went to the rival all-boys school, St. Francis. But which, he did redeem himself by going to a Jesuit college. I did. Which yeah. means that he knows who was right in the end. <laughs> no, it just means I had a little bit of both. I, you know, I, I have a well-rounded experience, right? <laughs> um, They're but, both great schools. Yeah. And then you, you also went to a Jesuit college. Right? I went to Boston College. Yeah. yeah. Out, out in Boston. And then... Where's that at? Well, it's it's surprising where it is actually. Um, it's not technically in Boston; it's in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, which is like the difference between <laughs> Ottawa Hills and Toledo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, what kind of what kind of thing did you do out of college? What, what what's been your what was your first stop out of college? Out of college? Yeah. Well, so it's it's kind of a good transition to I'm sure we'll be talking about today. But um, I got into the for profit world, but. In high school and in college, I was expecting to go into the nonprofit world. I was look, looking to go into orchestra management, doing exactly what I'm doing now. But I had to make a, a deal with the devil first and go into the for-profit world out of college. So I started doing marketing consulting. I got into market research, which is a very boring side of marketing that nobody seems to know about. And it's a lot of statistics. It's a lot of surveys. It's a lot of number crunching, focus groups, these sorts of things. And uh, pretty important part of it, though, I would imagine, right? Well, you know, it's the sort of thing that when you're an undergrad, you don't really think, oh, I want to do a career in market research. Right. But it's the thing <laughs> that every company does. Right. And especially now that it's become more widespread and more easily available. Big data. Yeah, exactly. So everybody wants data. They want to make data informed decisions. Nobody wants to go in and launch a dud. They still happen, but those guys don't do the market research. So it becomes more and more valuable. So that's what I've been doing for the last 15 years until Monday. Well, congratulations. Yeah. It was Thank a really you. sad day when you left the office. And in case you guys don't know, Danny and I were formerly colleagues. Now he's just the weird guy <laughs> sniffing into his microphone. <laughs> and he's, well, I won't go into what he said about being left at the office all alone. 
<laughs> no, he'll start crying again. <laughs> Two glasses and one bottle of scotch to myself. <laughs> so, but but before you went into the, the market research thing, right. you said you, you did have an interest in orchestra management. Exactly. So, all right. So the, the long and boring history of Zach Vassar is that I wanted to be a pianist. I took piano lessons and I was not a very good pianist. I started going to the symphony concerts when I was about 10. The, the, the first concert I ever went to was at the Peristyle. I was 9 or 10 years old. And there is a famous pianist in, his name was John Browning. He played a concerto by Mozart with the orchestra. And, and that was really cool. I was into piano. I thought he did a great job, but, you know, I was 9 or 10. After intermission, they played the uh, Romeo and Juliet suite by Prokofiev. He wrote a bunch of suites for orchestra, of music he wrote for a ballet. And this was uh, Suites 1 and 2, and it was after intermission. And this is really dramatic music. It's a dramatic story. But Prokofiev, unlike Mozart, uh, was a 20th century Russian composer. And, you know, you talk about how music sounds different over time. Um, This is the sort of music that's just very powerful. So Tybalt's death scene is just it's mm. very moving. It's very urgent music, and it kind of stops you. And if you're 9 or 10 years old, it's really cool. It's really loud. <laughs> um, and then at the end, when you're at Juliet's grave, it's, it's just very gorgeous, hushed music, and the music kind of just starts to disappear. Musicians start stop playing until it's left to one instrument, which is the piccolo, just playing a really high note. And I just remember leaning forward in my chair, trying to figure out where the piccolo would stop and the silence would take over because it was just a magnificent effect. And then, of course, everyone starts applauding. So I figured, oh, okay, I guess it happened. Because when you hear a note like that, you kind of hear it in your mind. Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of keeps going over mm-hmm. and over in your mind. So um, I just remember all the way through that applause and all the way out of the peristyle. My parents and I were going out to our car and I just kept hearing that piccolo and I kept <laughs> thinking about it. And you know, that for me was just such a huge moment because after that I was hooked. I said, mom, dad, yeah. let's go to these things all the time. <laughs> they're like, do we have to? Um, no, that's not true, mom and dad. Uh, they, uh, they, they allowed me to continue going to these concerts. But the neat thing is the first concert of this coming season, uh, the end of September is big opening weekend in, uh, at the Peristyle. There's a pianist coming to do a great concerto, not Mozart, by Rachmaninoff. After intermission, they're doing the same piece by Prokofiev. So this is kind of a cool weekend. So my first concert at the Peristyle with a symphony when I was 9 or 10, they played this Prokofiev Romeo and Juliet piece. My first concert as CEO will be the same thing. Awesome. That should be fun. It's September 30th and October 1st. So mark your calendars. It's going to be a phenomenal concert. And your parents better be there. My parents will be there. (laughs) I then wanted to be a conductor, but you know you kind of got to know how to perform one, two, or three <laughs> instruments pretty well to be a conductor. So that dream also died. But I was already kind of going in that direction, and I was interning with the orchestra. And the marketing director at the time was a guy named Mitch Owens. He lives out in Bryan now, and he kind of took me under his wing and said, "You should think about going into arts management." You know, so I saw this as, you know, directing an orchestra instead of with a baton with a pen. And uh, that began this totally new focus where I said, all right, I got to study up on music and I got to study up on management. Uh, and then looking at, at undergrad, I was looking for a program with a lot, that would allow me to cross register so I could do management, whatever that ended up being. It turned out to be marketing and music. And a lot of the schools at that time, at least, I remember going on all of these, these you know, campus tours in the 
people on the, the tour guides would, would say, no, you can't cross-register. You have to take this core and that core different. You'd never have enough classes. Sure, yeah. But Boston College had a combined core. Everybody had to go through the arts and sciences core, regardless of your major. So I was able to cross-register pretty easily. So that was, that was really what I wanted to do uh, all the way until graduation. Yeah. And you've kept that love of music yeah. and, and that desire throughout yeah. your years dwelling in spreadsheet land or... Yeah. Even in... Even in his office of spreadsheet land, we would go geek out over data. Behind, in front of his desk was giant sheet music on the wall. That's Big a cool. Portrait. Yeah, that's a guy named Tim Brown. He lives out in California, and I, I met him at a, a, a San Luis Obispo Mozart Festival, and he makes full-size uh, uh, sheet music, but it's all hand-drawn. So that whole thing oh, was hand-drawn. It was really huge. Yeah, so that was Eine Kleine Nacht music. Uh, which is the what small uh, clock, clock music? A little night music. A little night, oh, yeah. 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 Nacht music. Yeah. Nacht. Sorry, okay. my yeah. my my German. <laughs> I didn't I didn't practice today. <laughs> um, so it's kind of no ambition. <laughs> you speak German, Bob? No ambition, just a little. I think he just told you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I, I looked for ways to get into music, even though that wasn't my day job. I, I'm on the opera board. I volunteer a lot of time to the symphony. So even before I worked there, I knew a lot of the people in the office and I was, I was spending a lot of my, my uh, spare time trying to convince people that this is a relevant art form and it's mm-hmm. something that, that they should take seriously and take an interest in. So that's been my, my hobby, my, my side interest. And you know, if it gives you any sense of it, when we moved here from Boston in 2008, Emily and I had tickets to the symphony before we had an apartment number or an address <laughs> to give to the Toledo Symphony to put in our profile. So, you know, it was it was it was like the first priority before finding a place to live. Yeah. I knew where my wow. seats should be and I wanted to make sure nobody else got them. <laughs> so, are you a musician then? Well, no. So, I I, I failed at the piano thing. Right. Uh, and I, you know, I took I took lessons for a long time and, you know, I was this kid who collected classical music CDs for, well, starting at age 10, say. Hmm. So I had a good sense of what these guys sounded like when they would play a piece of music. And if you're 10 years old or 12 years old or 14 or 15 years old, you're never going to be able to play like these guys do. So my, right. my two heroes, were, one was a guy named Glenn Gould, who's a Canadian pianist who was just mm. crazy. Uh, he would play music typically very fast, and he took a lot of repertoire that was written for the harpsichord, stuff like Bach wrote, and he put it onto the piano, and that caused a scandal in the 50s. Um, people didn't do that. Now it's just like, well, of course you're going to play it on the piano. Um, so he was one of my idols. And then the other guy is a guy named Arthur Rubenstein. He's a wonderful grand pianist of the you know yesteryear, 60s, 70s. I think he died in 79, uh, might be 78. Anyway, these two guys would play the music that I could never play as well as they could. So that kind of took my my interest in performing away. <laughs> Just too intimidated by by your your heroes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so as, as you referenced, I think did you say this past Monday or this coming Monday. You're this past Monday. I'm three days in. Three days into the new gig. That's right. You got him fresh. And the new gig is, I think I said, president and CEO. The president of, CEO of the Toledo Symphony. How did how did that gig come about? Well, so again, I, I've been volunteering a lot of time to the orchestra, and when they put together a search committee for the CEO's position, they asked me to be on it. And at that point, my eyebrows raised a little bit. I, I was interested in this position my whole life, so I had lunch with the outgoing president, Kathy Carroll, and I said to her, is there any world where you would see me being able to do this job? And she said, I think you'd be good at this job, but there's a search committee in place if if I were you, I would I would listen to what they're looking for. If it sounds like something that you could bring to the table, a business person with a analytic sense, 
recuse yourself from the committee and throw your hat in the ring. If they're looking for something else, you know, uh, go for that. And and what do they say in law where you're supposed to uh, zealously advocate for your client? Sure, yeah. Zealously advocate for whomever they're looking. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the first meeting, it was very clear they were looking for some somebody very different. We got a lot of applications, and, and during a lot of the interviews, I would ask a lot of questions. I'm very interested in this this industry, and I had a lot of clients in the nonprofit and performing arts space, so I, I spoke some of the language. And some people on the committee were would, would ask me to consider maybe throwing my hat in the ring. But I just started this great job at Communique with Danny, yes. and I was not interested in just you know sweeping that away. But enough of them asked me, and I finally said, I'll throw my hat in the ring as long as you vet me as vigorously, if not more vigorously, than everybody else that you've interviewed. And uh, we, we started the, the process, and then lo and behold, they're announcing me as the next CEO. What's that process like? Well, it was interesting. I had to go sit with the same committee that I'd formerly served on, and they grilled me pretty hard. Did you know all the questions going into it? Well, it's it, yeah. So they asked me different <laughs> questions, right? Cheater. Uh, <laughs> no, they actually they, no. They, they they did make it uh, a little intimidating. I, I didn't know that I'd done well enough to advance to the next round until they told mm-hmm. me. Um, but you know, th- then I, I met with the musicians committee, which I thought was really intimidating going into it because this this was the group of people for whom music is their livelihood. If there isn't a symphony in Toledo, for example, if there's no viola seat or chair, then those guys can't make money in this town, right? Mm, they can't yeah. pay their mortgage, they can't raise yeah. their family. So for them, it's a livelihood. This can't go away. So this is sacred and, and very important to them, of course. So we were supposed to meet for about an hour and we ended up talking for almost two hours. It was just a wow. wonderful conversation. And I came out of that just feeling like I was energized and excited and, and really wanted to make something for them that they that they were as excited and energized about. And after that, I, I met with uh, the staff, uh, had a couple interviews with, with different people on the staff. Yeah. In the new position, you've been there three days. Yeah. Do you have like, okay... I'm totally surprised that this is this is part of the job, or, or is it too soon to really really be? The, I have just been pinching myself. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you you think about it, very few of us get to do the thing that we've always wanted to do, right? We have this idea, we have a dream, it's up in the cloud somewhere, and you aspire to do that when you're a kid. Well, and, and a lot of people don't have that thing. Well, it, that, you know, that maybe true. which is also I think yeah, that's true. kind it's of a, remarkable. It's a about very specific story. thing that yeah. I wanted to do, yeah. <laughs> but then then you get to you you get to leave that up there in the sky as something that maybe I'll get back to someday. I remember having a conversation with my dad when I was trying to decide to go into for profit or the nonprofit world. When I graduated from from BC, for example, it was a, a recession time. The arts were not hiring; they were laying off in abundance, and. Uh, I had the opportunity to go into a fellowship uh, sponsored by the League of American Orchestras. And that was a really cool program. They would have sent me to a very small orchestra with like a $300,000 budget. And I would have spent about two or three months there. Then I would have gone to a mid-sized orchestra like Toledo and spent two or three months there. And then I would have gone to a large orchestra like Cleveland or New York and spent two or three months there. And then we all would get together, all the fellows would get together at the Aspen Summer Music Festival. And that way, we we kind of hit the gamut of the ways that orchestral music mm-hmm. is performed, either in a small, medium, a large orchestra, or at a festival. And uh, that was that was like the thing that I wanted to do because that was like getting a crash course in orchestra management. 
And I went down to New York. I interviewed with some of my heroes. A guy who was the president of the Chicago Symphony at the time was a guy named Henry Fogel. I had listened to this guy on the radio. I'd seen him interviewed. I read all of his, his articles. And I'm sitting across the table from him. It was really inspiring. But then um, they made some changes given the fact that it was a recession. Their stipend decreased. They weren't covering housing anymore. It wasn't the right move for me at that time. And I had this mm -hmm. other job offer in the wings to go into the for-profit world. So I said to my dad, you know, what do I do? And, and he said, well, you can probably go in the business route and maybe those skills would translate back to the fine arts someday. But if you go into fine arts and you realize this probably wasn't for you, it would be harder to climb in the other direction. And I, I took that advice and it's worked out. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Will you be in charge of hiring new people for the symphony and, or is that a different department? Yeah. So there's, there's a whole artistic process for filling seats in the symphony, uh, or chairs. I keep calling them seats. Uh, <laughs> you know, if there's a, if there's a principal chair, for example, right now we have the, uh, the French horn is, is open. Uh, there's a whole audition process for that. They, they bring people in, they put them on the other side of a screen so you can't see who they are, what they look like. You just oh, wow. listen to hear them play. Hmm. And then you have to make your hiring decisions based on that. And you, you have several <laughs> rounds of this. And so it's kind of like the voice is how you hire. It's exactly like the wow. voice, except the, the chairs don't turn around and there's not a buzzer. <laughs> right. um, it's a little different than just reviewing stacks of resumes. Right? It's very true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a whole process for that. Yeah. Now, I'll have uh, a couple positions that I'll be looking at right away. There's a, a development fundraiser role. I need a director of development. I also need a director of marketing. These have both been open for about a year and a half. And uh, so we need those to be able to get more butts in the seats. And, and I meant to say seats on that one and, uh, and money in the bank. And you talked a little bit earlier in the context of that program, you were considering, considering college of small, yeah. medium, large orchestras. Right. What is there like a bright line dividing those mm. or? Yeah, it, it really goes down to the budget. Uh, yeah. All these orchestras are tiered based on the size of their budget. So Toledo Symphony has a budget between five and six million dollars annually. And that makes them a solid, you know, middle sized orchestra. If you run the numbers, I just read a statistics la uh, last week. Um, $300,000 or less represents about 80%, I believe, of the orchestras in the country. So that means that there's a very small Jeez. space above that. Mm -hmm. And Toledo's above that. But then you go out to Chicago, New York, Cleveland. They had what they used to call the Big Five, or New York, Boston, Philly, Chicago, and Cleveland. And those guys have many millions of dollars in their endowment and their operating costs for the, for the year. And they can afford to do a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. New York has been always the leader in, in thinking outside the box. And they've uh, done a lot to bring music into the community in a way that, you know, it's just it's not realistic in, in a town like Toledo uh, to be able to achieve those things. But we can we can we can model ourselves after those successful programs and, and achieve them in our own way. So as far as for a, a city the size of Toledo, we do have a pretty serious symphony compared to a lot of other places. Though. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's been called the best kept secret too, um, next to the Metro parks. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people come to the Toledo symphony and they're, they're surprised by the artistic level. They're surprised by the performance quality and then the guest artists who come in here. So it's, it's for a long time had the reputation of being a, do I want to go to Toledo? And then they'll, they'll talk to each other and say, oh yeah, you should go to Toledo. Those guys are serious. Those guys are totally legit. And you know, you can get the same experience that you would pay a lot more for in another city. Uh, there was a famous cellist several years ago named Mstislav Rostropovich. He was the famous cellist of his generation and he, he passed away a few years ago. Um, he was due to play in Toledo, which was a big get for the Toledo Symphony in the mid nineties. He ended up in a hospital. Had to cancel. And there was a oh. great story behind that. A uh, very young violinist named Hilary Hahn came to replace him at the last minute. 
And she went on to have a huge career. She's one of the biggest violinists right now, but she was 15 years old. She was playing the Beethoven violin concerto on short notice. It's one of those great <laughs> famous stories. Sure. Anyway, this Rostropovich guy, you know, keeps getting courted by Toledo. Should I go back? Should I honor my earlier commitment? And uh, somebody named Van Cliburn, who was another famous pianist, uh, who had had many, many appearances with the orchestra, uh, encouraged him to do so, to come and honor the commitment. And he came and he played the Dvorak cello concerto, which is on the season this year. It's one of the greatest cello concertos there ever was, some of the best music ever composed. And he had so much fun that he came back a couple of years later when he only came to four orchestras in the entire nation. Wow. Uh, he, Toledo was one of them. It was like Boston, Jeez. Philly, uh, maybe Los Angeles or something like that, and then Toledo, Ohio. Good company, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what determines the budget for the different for these Him. different symphonies? I mean, where does the <laughs> yeah, where does the money come from? Well, a lot of it's fundraising. So, it is a nonprofit organization. So, they're looking to to raise money to keep the operations alive. Um, the that money goes to, uh, of course, paying staff, paying guest artists. Uh, there, there, there are various fees that I am getting very acquainted with in the last three days. <laughs> stuff that I never even thought about. Sure. Um, you know, rider truck rentals, for example, to bring a piano from one side of the city to the other. Mm. You know, we we have a truck, but you know, it's not big enough to do everything. Uh, going out to music under the stars, for example, they have to set up uh, all the musicians every Sunday night there. A lot of those guys bring their own their own music. Uh, their own um, instrument instruments. Thank you. Uh, but they still have to have stands to play on and, and all sorts of other things. Music under the stars. What's uh, that? You oh, you don't know what music under the stars no. is. Uh, at the zoo at four Sunday evenings in the summertime, uh, they do at a, four or on four. There, there are four of these. They okay. start at yeah. seven thirty, and they are just kind of like Americana personified. Hey. You know, the, the, the Toledo concert band plays there and that's mm. basically the symphony without, um, strings and, you know, it's a little bit smaller, but they play in a band shell at the amphitheater in the, at the Toledo zoo. And this has been going on for a very long time and it's, it's, it's free to the public and you can bring families free, free to the public. And, uh, they all have a different, what? different, uh, uh, theme this past Sunday was uh, was playing around or something like that and mm. you know, was, all the music is very whimsical they 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 had a, a Pop Goes the Weasel orchestration that included uh, Tony Geftos from uh, Channel 13 uh, <laughs> popping a champagne cork <laughs> into the sky it was great sounds like fun yeah it is fun I'll say I'm kind of dumb towards the symphony I don't know much yet I, <laughs> he almost spit out we have that on recording right guys <laughs> oh yeah oh, and yeah. we just play that over and over again i don't know much <laughs> okay so other than that'll make a great audio bite yeah. other than going and seeing you at the zoo where can i i mean i know you're at the peristyle every now and again too where can i check out the symphony orchestra? yeah so the, the symphony plays in a bunch of different different spaces but the, the principal ones are going to be the peristyle that's where they do the what they call the classics concerts which is your, mm -hmm. your standard symphony with a you know a, an overture uh, maybe a concerto with a violin or piano or cello it's a, with a, an artist in front of the orchestra and then maybe after intermission they would do a large symphony by beethoven or brahms or somebody like that um, there's also the mozart and moore series which is a, a little more traditional in in scope although i think that's drifted a little bit and that uh, those those are uh, at the the lords uh, lords college the franciscan center ah. and uh, they have a, a chamber series a very small ensembles maybe uh, one or two or four musicians playing together in like a, a string quartet or a brass trio or something like that and those happen at the toledo club oh wow and then they have a pop season which is uh, not as much 
classical. Yep. Uh, but you know, they would, for example, Kristen Chenoweth is is coming to start our season in mid September. Uh, she's a, a a Broadway uh, a Broadway darling. She's she's been a Tony Tony Award winner. Um, so that'll be more of like songs from stage and screen. Uh, and they, they have a whole series of that. So you'll have like, um, uh, Peter Noon, who is, uh, with a group in, uh, now considered oldies, uh, called Herman's Hermits. He's coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so you have, you have that sort of like oldies music pop, uh, from Broadway. You have, uh, Pat Benatar is coming in. So th- this, this is not necessarily hardcore classical music like Beethoven and Brahms, but it's still performed with the full orchestra. And that's at the Stranahan. Okay, so you're, you're all over the place. Absolutely. And I'm looking right now at your 2016-2017 season on your website, okay. which is readily available, right? ToledoSymphony.com. And uh, so I imagine, you know, that's set already, but for future seasons, mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably something you're going to be pretty involved with, I'd imagine. Right, so we're in the process right now of planning the 2017-2018 season. So these things always have two years because they always start around September and they end in May. Nice. Uh, so so seventeen eighteen is underway, and that programming process is, you know, starting to take shape now. Then you have to start getting artists booked and conductors. We're also doing a, a conductor search right now. Um, our, our music director is, is leaving, so we're looking for a new music director right now. And um, you know, so you have to start booking these things now. It's a, it's a very long process. And I imagine that's probably one of the more interesting slash fun things mm-hmm. for you to do. Is, Absolutely. Is, is try to figure out, okay, well, what shows are we going to have? Sure. Right? And, and, and this is all called programming. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, there's, there's a science to it. You don't, if, you, if you look, so this is where I get into my spreadsheet land, right? That's fine. Uh, that's I was fine. talking to my, my, I used to work uh, with the Detroit Symphony, and I talked to my clients up there, and, and you know, they had a lot of data as to whenever we perform Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, it usually correlates to X dollars in revenue. Oh, wow. And whenever we perform, you know, another symphony might be Y dollars. So the temptation then is just to take the stuff that's going to make the most money, right? But if you adopt that kind of model, then all of your artistic sense goes away. So you're only performing the stuff that people want to hear and pay for. So you might get one season out of that that's really going to knock them knock them dead but then the next season when you do your programming well you would just do the same stuff right so so as a musician you can see what the wear and tear would be no no musicians want to perform the same things every year and then of course the audiences wouldn't go see the same thing every year so you have to be a little creative in in this so you're going to have some stuff that's going to be uh like a real bellwether great piece like beethoven five but then you have to have something on the rest of the the program to balance it, something that might be a little more rare or less frequently performed or really beautiful that people just don't know. And uh, that sort of thing just just leads to a very good program, nice and balanced. And then across many programs, you have some that are more strong and some that are more exploratory. I think you guys, at least uh, I just saw recently that you guys did that, uh, the video games. Mm Mm-hmm. At the Peristyle, that the video I found on Facebook from Nick was amazing. Video Games Live was yeah. the name of that concert. Uh, yeah, so so you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that we can do, which is different from the standard repertoire. Of course, uh, you know, Beethoven did not write the theme to Mario Brothers, despite what you might think. <laughs> Unfortunately, <Danny. laughs> I did hear the Boston Pops perform that once, and I found myself just reliving all my childhood <laughs> in one minute. Mario was out when you were a kid. You guys also did that uh, the Star Wars, Wars um, laser show. At That's the, right. At the um, what the arena, yeah. right? Well, so these sorts of things are really popular in, in bringing in new audiences and really showing us to be 
accessible to people who are probably afraid of the idea of going to a symphony. Right. Now, at the end of the day, we have to be committed to the art. We're, we're stewards of a tradition that's two, three, four hundred years old in some cases, right? So we can't only do Star Wars. I think our <laughs> musicians would, would feel like, you know, they've, they've practiced too long and they've worked right. too hard to just yeah. do Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. Um, so likewise, the temptation might be to only do country music, you know, back up. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that either. Because at the end of the day, our, our services to those those masters into the art form, which itself is continuing. So it's not that, you know, it stopped at one point and then everybody else started writing Star Wars music. No, no offense to John Williams. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are still people composing standard classical repertoire now. It sounds a little different, just as music from the 1700s sounds different from music of the 1800s or 1900s, right? So it, it, it evolves and it's continued to evolve now. You'll get a kick out of this in my German class at that high school that is the rival of your high school. Down the street, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, real close to where we're sitting right now. Um, uh, Herr Scholte, he he uh, had us listen to Schoenberg. Oh, my. <laughs> Which is kind of challenging stuff, right? Yeah, it's 20th century music. Um, it's it's uh, So Schoenberg tried this whole idea called serial music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where basically if there are 12 tones in a, in a standard scale, think of all the white keys and black keys in an octave, you have to play all 12 of them before you play one again. So you can mix them up however you want, but his whole idea was it has to be serial music and how creative can you be in that framework. So it was um, it, it led to something that was called the Second Viennese School. He had a lot of acolytes who thought that this was really outstanding. Um, for me, this is kind of where music went off the rails. Just my taste. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I I was in high school listening to it in German class and not getting it. So. Oh, there, there's a lot of great German music though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have you have people like Brahms and Beethoven, right, Germans. Sure, you go up to, through Wagner, who wrote some yeah. phenomenally twisted operas in the what, what's known as the Ring Cycle. We we also listened to. To, to that. Oh, you had to request. do Schoenberg and Wagner? Yeah. yeah. Oh, different years, but yeah. It sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds like music appreciation it, in college. It, 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 yeah. It, it, this was German class and that music class. But Do you, do you have a favorite, um, like you were saying, that there are people making new um, orchestrative music? Do, do you have a favorite? Yeah, there's a guy named Max Richter who's been doing some really interesting stuff. Uh, he, he took something... The Four Seasons by Vivaldi, which is kind of mm. the greatest hits of classical music, and he recomposed it. So he wanted to see what would it sound like if he did it now. And he put together a piece called Recomposed by Max Richter, and it's the Four Seasons in this very um, modern landscape. It's almost like an atmosphere, and he takes little snippets from the original Vivaldi manuscript, and he peppers them in with just a, a more... Um, I don't want to say new age in any way, but it's just it's it's more of a um, an, an well an atmosphere than it is mm. like a, a linear thing that you can hum. But it's fantastic in my mind. And he just did another uh, very long piece, which is is uh, talking about the way that brain waves hear sound and process music as they as people sleep. I can't believe you said that. I was going to say, I know that guy's name from his eight-hour sleep yeah, album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so if you look this up, you can get on iTunes, uh, stream it. He has a much smaller version of it, uh, which fits onto one disc. And it, it's, to me, one of the most relaxing CDs I can think to listen to. And it was just written a couple of years ago. It's just called Sleep. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Uh, change your gears a little bit. I, I know, uh, I don't think we've really talked about the Toledo Club before, really, on this show. And Zach, I know you're a, a member and a fan, and I just wanted to open that, the door to you to, to explain to folks who don't know, what is the Toledo Club? 
many big cities have this idea of the city club, right? You can go to Detroit. Detroit has the Detroit Athletic Club. Philadelphia and Chicago both have city clubs called the Union League. Um, at one point, these were very important to the, the thrival of a large city. And Toledo has the Toledo Club. And it's been very well maintained and loved and polished over the years. The building itself sits at Madison and 14th Street. It just celebrated its centennial uh, in 2015. And the club itself goes back to 1889. Hmm. Um and it's just one of these beautiful, filled, uh, beautiful buildings filled with wood and chandeliers. It's huge. And, and, it's immaculate you know, it's, when you walk it's in. Just, it's just a really beautiful space. In my mind, um, you know, it's it's one of the only places downtown that you can swim in a swimming pool. There's a full workout facility, great dining, fine dining, bar dining, um, and it, it's 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 kind of a treasure. And you know, these these city clubs have really struggled for relevance over the years. Uh, I became membership director over the, or, I'm sorry, membership chairman, sorry, Russ, um, <laughs> uh, about six years ago. And we had to figure out, you know, are we just going to look at having people in their 50s join this place or should we try to open it up to a new generation? And we did that. And we've been fairly successful getting younger guys into the Toledo Club. Is that something that's like a paid membership type thing, right? Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a membership due you pay. It's, it's tiered based on your age. Um, and then there are m- many events and, you know, things you can do there. And, and one of the reasons I brought that up is, uh, I think in our last episode, we had a trivia question provided by you uh, involving... <laughs> Petroleum v. Nasby. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I, and, and you and I had a conversation about him. Vesuvius. Uh, what did I say? V. Oh, yeah. I, I shortened it. I'm I was letting the gravity. listeners know. It's Petroleum Vesuvius <laughs> Nasby. Yeah. I, I, we didn't really get into him yeah. that much during our trivia question, but... Uh, you and I had a conversation off the air about it, and I was right. impressed by, by by what you had to say. So if you go into the main dining room of the Toledo Club, it's one of these big, gorgeous rooms, ballrooms, more or less, and they have portraits of the founders of the Toledo Club. So you have Mike Owens and uh, and Libby over on this wall. You have uh, Waite, who also appeared in one of my, uh, my yep. trivia questions. You have Petroleum V. Nasby. These guys all started the club because they wanted to have something in Toledo like they had from their respective cities. And they really needed a way to create a network. This was a social network before there was what we have now as a social network was was belonging and affiliating with a club like this. After that, things like country clubs were born uh, along the similar model. But yeah, this is this is the precursor to that. So is that a, a main benefit of it? Is really just kind of and gives you an opportunity to eat and swim and that type of stuff, but also just networking with kind of. Yeah. other people that yeah. are similar interest or maybe different interests in your in your community. Yeah, I would say that it, for, because it's downtown, the people who are going to go there are often very pro downtown. So when I was hanging out in Toledo, you know, I, I grew up here. I moved to Boston, came back in two thousand eight. Um, I was working remotely for a firm in Boston. I didn't have any colleagues, so I joined Toledo Club just to have people that I could talk to at the end of the day because I was rather <laughs> starved for attention, and. Um, I found that this is where the people who believe that Toledo's greatest days are tomorrow as opposed to yesterday. And it's a very pro-Toledo group, so I, I've been very happy there. It's been a, a great experience meeting a lot of uh, wonderful people. You have a little kid now, so are you, are you going to try to impress upon the kid the uh, the love of, of the symphony? If she's into it. Yeah. You know, I, I, so I'm the youngest of nine kids. Yeah. Ooh. And uh, my parents had a huge record collection. And when I was really young, they bought me a Fisher-Price stereo. <laughs> and they said, you know, just go down to our record collection, play whatever you want. So they had a lot of like Neil Diamond and John Denver yeah, and yeah. they had, um, the birds, uh, they had a lot of Paul Simon and then they had a huge collection of classical music. And I went toward that. I don't know why. 
But so I would trot upstairs with my LPs under my hand and play them on my uh, Fisher Price stereo at the time. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> but my sisters and brothers, they're, they're listening to The Who, they're listening to Duran Duran, they're listening right. to ACDC, to Bruce Springsteen. And I, yeah, I'm over there like, could you please keep it down? <laughs> I can't hear my Chopin. You know, uh, so I was that kid. Uh, if, my if, Chopin. <laughs> yeah. If Gracie wants to be me, yeah, she has, she has a, a lot of years of struggle there. <laughs> Have you given any thought about, you know, we're not really in the age of vinyl anymore, even though mm-hmm. some people still vinyl collections as we do in the Nate. other room. Um, but have you given any thought to how to kind of provide that opportunity to your own kid in, in, in our age of technology? Well, I have a, I have several thousand CDs, yeah. uh, mostly classical, which is driving my wife Emily crazy because they're just, <laughs> there's no room for them in our collection anymore. Uh, so, you know, Grace is happy to go over yeah. there and take CDs off the wall. I do kind of jump after them because I'm afraid she's going to drop them, scratch them, eat not them. Not that one, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, not the three tenors. Um, I mean, it's, it's a problem that I've kind of thought about, too, because yeah. like, I, I grew up with parents with a big record collection, right. too. I wasn't listening to, to symphony music, but... Yeah, it's all right. Um, you I still more, have time. I was more like your siblings, uh, to be honest, but... Um, it, you know, now I, everything, all my music's on my computer. You right. know, it's not really something yeah. you pull well, off the shelf. Okay, so so here's my thought on this. Yeah. So the future of music is streaming. Sure. Like it or yeah, not, yeah, it's going right. to happen. It's already happening. It's there. Um, I was reading an article the other day, and this this writer was saying that his daughter came to him and said, I just discovered this new band. Have you ever heard them? They're called the Beatles. <laughs> oh, no. And he had this moment of panic, like, how did I not tell her about the Beatles? Um <laughs> But, you know, I think it's really, it's important because what that means is that anything that was recorded, whether it was something that was recorded in the 60s or something that was recorded yesterday by Katy Perry, this is all new. And if you think of the way that these these streaming systems are giving us music, they're giving us playlists, these are curated, mm-hmm. and they'll often have a lot of new and old stuff kind sure. of smashed together. Yeah. I, I think this is a new dawn for music and discovery. Yeah. Better than Napster because we can we can hear this all that's new and we all have it in our pocket as opposed to having to get it on yeah. our computers, right? Right. So, or even know what you like you don't need to know what it is to be able to hear it. Like yeah. you're saying with the curated yeah. playlist, you're right. getting exposed to things without right. actually having to, to yeah. find them or figure yeah. out who they are. So imagine if I were that nine year old kid coming back from the symphony and I had it in my pocket. I could listen to that same piece by Prokofiev on the way home right while like, catching pokemon while catching pokemon <laughs> but i uh you know you think about how much i had to think and learn and access and discover like that whole process just got a lot faster so right, yeah. if if my daughter or, or your kids get into that whether it's for uh, rock or pop or jazz or classical they have that I- entire experience yeah. much faster yeah it's going to be really cool all right, it's time for the Toledo Matters Trivia. You're going to get three questions, or, and a bonus question. If you get three of the four right, you'll get a free Holy Toledo Donut. Holy Toledo, just three out of four? <sighs> All right. Wow. All right, take it away, Dave. I, I have a question. Is the donut on the premises, or is this like a gift certificate? It's like a gift certificate. It's, yeah, it's like go wherever you want. And Do you know how disappointed I am right now? <laughs> well, well they don't cook on Wednesdays. Yeah. Oh, so. Our schedule does not <laughs> We're not gonna, help us. We want to make sure you get it fresh. All right. It, but before we start i just want to remind our audience that zach has been our trivia master right so so we were trying to get we're trying to stump him yeah where yeah. did you get these questions uh your wife <laughs> thank you emily <laughs> shout out to this week's question master emily vasser uh she by did you far just walk down to her office and ask her too <laughs> no she actually texted me like as soon as we left last friday and said i got you so all right here we go this one should be a layup number one when and where did the first concert given by the toledo symphony take place Oh my! Um, 
Well, okay, so there are two ways to answer this question. Okay. The first performance by the orchestra was, I think, in 1838 or something like that. The modern incarnation, I think, is 1943. Where? You got 1943. I would say it would be at the Peristyle then. Nope. No. Oh. Macomber High School. <laughs> Sorry. However, there was a Toledo Symphony. It was not the Toledo Symphony. The first Toledo Symphony was in 1897 at the Valentine Theater, and then they were the Friends of Music, and mm -hmm. then they become the Toledo Symphony in 1943. Like the Ohio State University? The Correct. Toledo Symphony? Yeah. yeah. So, so he did get the question right. He got him. Right. Yep, he got okay. it right. That's one. <laughs> All right, number two. Uh, <laughs> when did a Toledo Symphony first perform at the Toledo Museum of Art? I have no idea. They used to <laughs> they used to split the classics concerts. I know, I know, I know. I have some studying to do. Uh, they used to split the classics concerts between the the Stranahan and the Peristyle. And I have no idea when they started performing at the Peristyle. The orchestra first performed at the Toledo Museum of Art in 1912 at the dedication of the main building on Monroe Street. That was a trick question. Well, that's a trick question because they were just started in 1943, Danny. <laughs> I'm tr I, yo, take this up with Emily. Okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, number three. No, wait, no, hold on. Yep. The, the dedication of the Peristyle, though, was performed by the Philadelphia Orchestra and Leopold Stokowski, not the Toledo Symphony. Again, uh, take it up. Uh, take it up with it's Emily. It's a really cool story. Emily, though. you're in trouble. Yeah, seriously. And I'm in trouble. So, what, and it's does your he fault. get the question right because it was like not, it's not Heck a correct no. question? <laughs> All right, yeah. So let me just tell you this cool story. So, Leopold Stokowski, he's the guy who did Fantasia, right? Oh, so, okay. And, and that was the Philadelphia Orchestra in Fantasia, too. So, they're, they're all high on, on Fantasia. This is actually Fantasia came later, but they are the orchestra in the, in the, uh, the United States. They came to open up the Peristyle. And, um, Stokowski is playing at the rehearsal, he's conducting, and he says, the acoustics, I have to play with the acoustics, and there are all these very proud uh, people who have just built this gorgeous concert hall, and he starts attacking all the acoustic panels with a pin to like <laughs> knock holes in it, he wants to open up the acoustic a bit, and they're just standing there in horror watching him do this. You said that was who? Leopold Stokowski. Oh, okay. Interesting. Leads me into my next question, uh, number three. The Peristyle, op the Peristyle Concert Hall opened in 1933, oh. prior to the incorporation of the TSO. What orchestra was featured <laughs> in that opening gala? Well, that's what I just answered. <laughs> Which was? The Philadelphia Orchestra performed Brahms' first symphony. All right. Even read my mind. All right. Yeah, this that is for was all the donuts. Preemptive answering. That well, should no, be worth I, I, two I'm, points. I'd like to, to clarify that. What's the difference between question two and question three then? Nothing at all. <laughs> wait, wait, wait what? Wait, no, there was. There, there was, was 1912, was at the TMA. Right? There was the opening the museum versus uh, opening the museum. We're going to get into this again. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think that was the difference. Can we call Emily? Someone phone a friend. This is... All right, Thank the you. final question. Uh, in 1967, the TSO appointed the first African-American concertmaster in a professional American orchestra. What was his name? This is news to me. This is a great story. Nothing? I have no idea. Uh, his name was Darwin Apple. That's hmm. great. Yeah. Thank you to Emily Vasser for the wonderful questions. Thank you to so I, Zach I think for countering since, my questions. I think since the, sec yep, the, since the second the question's questionable, I think you get the donut. <laughs> Oh, yeah! That's so, great. So he wasn't completely stumped. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Thanks for playing along, Zach. Really Thank appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. And I think you said you're prepared for this part. Uh, this is the part where we ask you what your favorite 
hidden gem in Toledo yeah. is. And you already said it was the Metro Parks, right? <laughs> right. Well, I was going to say this podcast, but oh. that would that would suggest that you know, you. maybe it, you got a little it stuff be, on your nose. Yeah, right. <laughs> a little brown. <laughs> uh, so, so my answer to this question, I have answer A, and then I have answer B. Answer A in Toledo, I would say the Oliver House. Wow. Uh, really cool space. Uh, it, it was it was originally a a pretty nice hotel when Toledo was a train stop on the the main east to west uh, line, basically what the Amtrak is now. Mm-hmm. You would you would go to the Oliver House because that was the the hotel right next to the depot. And then it was during the Spanish American War. It was a I believe it was a, a, a morgue. There are reportedly ghosts that haunt the uh, the the Oliver House yep, from that's, that. That's true. I've, I've I used to do setups there, and all of the employees all have a story yeah. about the ghost. <laughs> a- ask ask your waiter or waitress. They all have seen things that they don't know how to explain. Right. And, and they're, yeah, and they're they're not trying to scare you or anything. They're they're kind of tame ghosts if you believe that sort of thing. <laughs> they just like move stuff yeah. around and things. One, like that. One waitress uh, once told me that an entire wall of wine just fell over. Oh. Like all of the bottles just started flying off the the wine rack oh shoot yeah um that so very friendly <laughs> <laughs> no that that guy must have been in a bad mood that day <laughs> the cool thing about the oliver house so so um jim apple um has uh, owned this building for uh, quite a while he and his wife pat uh they opened it up with the mommy bay brew pub at the beginning of the microbrewery uh, sensation uh, and then they opened up Rockwell Steakhouse, which I think is one of the best steakhouses I've ever oh. been to, full stop. There's a really cool cocktail lounge on the first floor, which is Rockwell's Lounge. There's a Petifor's Patisserie. There's the cafe. There's Mutt's. So you can do anything from like a high-end uh, uh, steak house to a very you know, low-ceilinged dive bar. Mm-hmm. And, and the cool thing is that at one point, they all share a bathroom. So you see guys <laughs> like wearing suits next to guys in you know jeans and t-shirts, which I think is one of the coolest things about Toledo. Yeah, yeah it's a very cool building. And I think for the longest time, I didn't even know that cafe had been there. I'd been to Mutt's. I'd been to the Oliver House. I'd been you know to the, to the brew pub restaurant. And then one day I kind of went in from the other direction and walked. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What? What is this? There's yeah. a whole there's a whole other doing? part of this building <laughs> exactly. here." And and it's cool. There, there are also townhomes. You can live in the Oliver House, which for me would just be a, a calorie intake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just such a neat building. It's a very old building, and and you know it's hidden over there uh, by the Owens Corning headquarters. It is downtown away a little bit. Yeah. Right there. And uh, I just I just think it's one of the coolest places. You know, if you want to support local place local. Uh, restaurants you have them all in one building whatever mm-hmm. you're looking for just go to the oliver house and they will have great service and great food for you and yeah. since this comes out on a thursday you all should know they have growler thursdays over there yep <laughs> and they have once you buy the growler the refills are extremely cheap yeah i think it's about 11 bucks for me to refill two every thursday nice. that's great <laughs> i think they have a that's trivia they have a tuesday night or wednesday night trivia or something so my wife and i started that Oh, awesome. uh, we came in from Boston and, and we used to play pub, pub trivia all the time in Boston and, and there wasn't really pub trivia yet in Toledo. So we're living downtown and we, we started at, at Home Slice Pizza. Right. And uh, it, we, we sent them to the, the quiz master in Boston that we used to use all the time. So Stump Trivia was the name of that organization. So they had all of these little bars on a star map uh, showing all the different places in New England that they were sending trivia to. And then there was one star in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, you know, it, we just literally outgrew it. So we went over to the uh, to the brew pub uh, to Mommy Bay Brewing Company at the Oliver House. And what nights What nights does that happen? It used to be Monday. I, I don't know what it is now. Yeah, I, I can't tell you. Day, but they, I know it's still going on for sure. Yeah. So that was option A. 
Option B. Okay, so thank you, Bob. Yeah. Uh, option B would be if you if you have a have a car and are willing to take a little ride out to Catawba Island to Monami. Nice. Yep. Uh, I think it's 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 a really great setting. They have a lot of their own wine. Uh, you can sit out on this gorgeous patio in the summertime, drink wine, have good food. They also have a really cool place at the area they call the Chalet, which is open all year. It's a really casual restaurant uh, with a huge bar and live music. And then they have like the more formal dining room area as well. Yeah. Food's great. To the best, great seafood. If you like seafood, it's a great place for perch and walleye and stuff. Um, and they do, I think. Their champagne is mm-hmm. one of my favorite yeah. types it's, of champagne. It's, it's really, value, really good. And it's very carefully made. You a- ask some of the people in the gift shop, because you, of course, have to exit through the gift shop. Right. Uh, <laughs> nice. And they'll tell you all about why it's it's a great nice. champagne. It yeah. is. Yeah. Well, Zach, thanks a lot for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank it. you. And, thank you. and it's good to see you again. Even more than that, thank you for being a listener. We appreciate it. Well, that. I'm happy to and see all you on the this questions. Side. This yeah. is great. I've kind of peeked behind the curtain, though. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to listen to this show ongoing. <laughs> Knowing the secrets. <laughs> Can I make another plug for the symphony? Yeah, Please. absolutely. Yeah. So on August 13th, uh, the symphony is organizing this really cool event at the Toledo Museum of Art. It's called Bach Around the Clock. And they are doing, quite literally, 24 hours of Bach. 24 <laughs> nice. hours yeah. okay so uh, I brought are my they rotating sheet. musicians that, right? oh yeah, yeah. Merwin yeah. Sue <laughs> Merwin Sue Merwin Sue just gave me this he would be a good guy for you guys to talk to by the way he's a lot more effusive about music uh, <laughs> than I can be because he can tell you why this composer is really great to talk to or to, uh, listen to rather yeah, yeah. Um, but so he is he is curating this event and it starts uh, at sunrise, 6.41 a.m., with the solo cellist playing one of the box solo cello suites, the, the one that you would probably hear and recognize if you happen to be, oh, at the museum at 6.41 on the 13th of August. <laughs> but there's literally a whole day of, of events at the museum. And if you've been to the Jaume Plenza exhibit, uh, he has uh, a lot of sculptures that incorporate different characters, uh, alphabet characters, musical characters. Um, so there, there's a great effort to play inside and outside uh, at the different facilities where the the, the Plenza sculptures are. Um, but it, 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 it's really outstanding. They're, they're using the peristyle to do box B minor mass. There's uh, There are small ensembles, large ensembles. There's, Bach wrote this whole piece um, Called the well-tempered clavier that is being conducted, being I'm sorry, uh, performed in the great gallery by 24 different pianists. It's uh, it's just going to be a really neat day to mm-hmm. try something different, listen to music, uh, experience the museum, and after 24 hours, 24 hours, it's just a memory. So, awesome. Yeah. It, it, there's a I think a flat rate of 36 dollars uh, that gets you all access and a T-shirt. So that's like uh, that's like only like a do- that's like a dollar twenty an hour. That's I was a just going to say deal. The, the value is yours to recognize, <laughs> and those tickets are available on the Symphony website or yeah. by calling four one nine two four six eight thousand. All yeah. right, awesome. So call that number or go to the Symphony website for more information. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Zach, for being on the Certainly. show. Keep this up the good work. This has been the work. 24th episode of the Toledo Matters podcast. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening. For more information on Zach Vassar and the Toledo Symphony Orchestra, visit ToledoSymphony.com or at Toledo Symphony on Twitter and Instagram. Huge, huge thank you to support of the show and so much more. Waveflow Media for the soundboards, the pop shields, the microphones, the audio engineering, and making our guests sound so dang crispy. For all your audio engineering and recording needs, check out Waveflow flow.com 
Another big thank you to supporter of the show, Holy Toledo Handcrafted Donuts for the best. And I, like, I literally mean the best crazy delicious donuts in town. Check out Holy Toledo at one of your favorite local coffee shops. This week's menu features a birthday cake and a blueberry pancake maple bacon donut. That's the one I'm getting. Let's get the maple bacon. Oh, my diet. Can't wait. And thank you, Toledo. Thank you all for listening, tuning in, and making Toledo matter. Until next time, we wish you well.